You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. Thanks for joining us on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We got a lot of stuff to get to today. We, I talked with Ice Cube yesterday, so we're going to lead off the show with that. Talk a lot about my interview with Ice Cube. Also, we got Al Jefferson <laughs> joining us today, so we're going to make sure that we get to Al Jefferson. Look, those two topics are going to take a lot of today's show. I know you guys probably want to hear about Kimbo a little bit. We're probably going to move that on to Monday, so we'll make sure we <laughs> yeah. talk to, about Kimbo Walker Monday. You will not do that. No, it's look, I understand, but it's just we. I understand people. They've been tweeting all. It, it, look, I just want to be a regular person, right? Like the, all this fame. Wait, wait, wait because regular I person. Talk, yeah, no, the be, fans are the fans have their pitchforks out uh fires are burning right now in Charlotte. for my ice cube takes i get it and no, you know no, i just i, I no. want to get those out of the way we can talk about kimba on monday and al jefferson it's a hornets great he's a bobcat great we'll make sure we play that interview as well and then we'll talk about kimba monday so about ice cube guys no 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 no, no. walker chickity check yourself before you write yourself <laughs> the big al interview was is great so i wasn't lying about that i was being half truthful we did talk with al jefferson it was a fantastic interview. This is very real. This is not about my Ice Cube joke. I might mention it a little bit here periodically through the show because I can't help it, but the Al Jefferson interview is very real. Um, we'll play that in the last segment because obviously we have a ton of Kimba Walker stuff to get to today. I don't think we're going to give one shit about this podcast lasting too long today. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be a long podcast because of all the stuff that we got to talk about. Long and strong. So Al Jefferson actually had some things to say about the Kimball Walker situation that would absolutely interest you. So a lot of fun. We're going to have it. We're also going to cry. This is also Doug Branson's last podcast with the Locked on Hornets podcast, at least in the city of Charlotte as a resident. It's a good good clarification because I still will be on the show. I'm just moving away from Charlotte, much like uh, Kimball Walker seems to be. it's, he's, to do. He seems to be. All right, so let's let's Way go. Rip the Band-Aid off, Doug. All right, let's go. Ainge. And that's your show. Um, look, let's let's dive right into this, man. I mean, Kimball Walker is somebody that has been the franchise player for a long time. He's the best Hornet of all time, and it seemed like throughout this entire free agency process, Kimba has said the right things. You know, he even said the right things for the Hornet side when it didn't seem like it was the most beneficial thing to say for him when he said that he would take less money. I did always thought that was kind of overblown, but whatever. Kimba has always said the right thing. And then we get a report. What was it? It was a couple of days ago that the Celtics were going to be stealth suitors. I did a show on Wednesday. Yeah, it was on Wednesday because you did the show about it. Yeah, Mark Stein reported that the Celtics were going to be stealth suitors. About four hours later, he's like, okay, scrap the stealth part. Celtics are going all out and trying to get Kimba Walker to be the point guard and getting rid of Kyrie Irving. And then we get the report yesterday that the Charlotte Hornets apparently lowballed an offer for Kimba Walker, five years, $160 million total. Kimba said, no, thank you. That's too low. That's insulting. Now it does look like the Boston Celtics have emerged as the front runner, and he's going to give the Celtics the immediate time right after free agency starts. I think about, did we even get an exact time, like 6 p.m. on yes, July 6th? Yes, we did 6th? get a I mean, we got an exact time. So you know that people aren't, I would hope people aren't just throwing out, yeah, I think about 12.15, 12.30 is going to meet. We got an exact time that he's going to meet with the Boston Celtics, and it does look like he's going to meet with that franchise and eventually become the next great player that plays for a historic franchise. Let's talk about your guys' thoughts first. I mean, Doug, let's start with you. Kimba Walker looks like 
is going to go to the Boston Celtics. How do you feel? But maybe, right? I mean, I mean how, that's, that's why I say looks like yeah, reports. That's my, well, because that's my first question. Like, how real is this, and how much of this? We got to remember who represents Kemba Walker. Yes, Jeff Schwartz. Okay, I mean, a mm-hmm. master negotiator, master NBA agent. I just wonder how much of this is a negotiating piece to possibly get more money out of the Charlotte Hornets or force this organization to go into the tax. Because that's the thing about the five years, 160. I don't even think it's a, it's not a low ball offer. It's the offer that the Hornets would have to make to stay under the tax. If you want to call that low ball, you can call it what you want. But we know this team is not interested in going into the tax, and that's the offer. So if, if, if Kimball wants more, he has to convince this team to go into the tax for a roster that does not deserve to be in the tax. I... I get why everybody wants to avoid the tax. I just have a hard time basically treating the greatest player this franchise has ever had like with a low ball offer. I, I have a problem with not getting anything in return for the greatest player in franchise history. Like we, we just we know how this organization operated uh, prior to moving to New Orleans, and that. That general management, that that front office would have gotten something in return for Kimba Walker had they been in charge. Would you have trusted? The thing is, would you have honestly trusted them to get anything close to fair market value? Because I will always argue no deal is better than a bad deal. Listen, the past three or four years of this, well, I'll say the past two or three years of this organization have been marked at pre Cupchak and now into the Cupchak era have been marked by inaction. So a lot of people are mad at Michael Jordan right now, and it's funny because I feel like this is an understandable scenario as far as what we, where we are now as of yesterday, but everybody's mad at Michael Jordan because of all of the situations, all of the things that have happened to get to this point. Right, I think people are mad because Nick Batum is making $26 million. I think people are mad because MKG is making double-digit million. And so people are mad at Michael Jordan for all of that. And boy, are they expressing themselves on Twitter as such. I think they're mad at Michael Jordan because it's easy to be mad at Michael Jordan. Like It's just easy to be mad at someone who has, a, who has built up this reputation of being a, a great player and a and a bad you know sort of front office manager and now owner and it's just it's 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 easy to do that and not sort of peel back the onion and figure out exactly the decisions that led to where we are now and 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 led to possibly Kemba Walker uh, leaving for nothing and and so much of it is circumstantial. See, people have a really hard time dealing with that. Like if if certain things had gone. Right. And, and actually, I'll tease the Big Al interview because we talk about one of those things. If one of those things had gone right, then, you know, this whole organization would have been completely different. But it's, it's, so, much dif- it's so much more difficult to deal with that fact that, that life is chaos, that life is random sometimes. It's much easier to go, well, you know, old MJ screwing things up again. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's easy. Like, again, expound on your point, Doug. It's like a lot of these moves that they have done are defensible. Like, you have no idea Nick Batum is going to go They just did a lot of them. (laughs) They did a lot of defensible moves. Well, and we talk about how unlucky it is, right? I mean, 2016, it's it's an unlucky time to make the playoffs and come within a game of getting to the second round. Yeah. On top of which, you don't assume that Nick Batum is going to go in the tank. Marvin getting old, you kind of see coming. But Monk over Mitchell is one of those things, like, it's one of those things that most GMs do with a guy that's falling. I completely agree with that. 
Like, like a lot of people like Donovan Mitchell, and I'm not going to take that credit away from them. But I mean, how many people were clamoring for Malik Monk when he fell? It was all about if he falls, you take him immediately. And that's exactly what happened. So there's a lot of situations. Look, I don't think any of us are trying to defend the organization for not making bad mistakes to lead up to this situation. But you could see how some of these circumstances would have been the same had any GM or any owner been at the at the helm of this particular roster at some point. And it's an it's extremely unfortunate situation that they're here right now because you know what another GM or an owner wouldn't do. Whoever you want to place the blame on, right? Like Michael Jordan, Rich Cho, Mitch Kupchak, whatever. You know what what that other organizations aren't doing is they're not trading for Miles Plumley, right? Like that's an that, awful. Uh, yeah, and I, I was gonna say I don't want to absolve. Correct. This organization of past sins. I think the, both the Frank Kaminsky draft pick and the Miles Plumley trade are two things that you can look back at and go, man, there's really, mm-hmm. there's just no way you can look back on those maneuvers and, and give them any credit for those things. So th- those things have happened. But also, they almost fielded a second round team, you know, despite all of that, they almost fielded a second round team in, in 2016. And, and they could have, they, they could have done great things d- d- despite themselves. Let's try to reel this back in with Kimba. You guys talked about, and there is a big conversation about Kimball Walker, whether losing him for nothing was better or worse given what happened last year than just trading him at the beginning of all of this. And I, Nada, look, it's very easy to go against you, right? And like, it, it is because when you talk about having those experiences with Kimba being the franchise leader in a lot of things, I'm in. I'm with you, and I feel like we are very much in the minority. We are like, in the minority because I don't want to trade Kimba last year for anything less than what fifty cents on the dollar. Because I think that's what you were going to get with a lot of value. Look, there not were, even that a quarter. Yeah, maybe a quarter. I don't know what. I don't know how much money you were getting on the dollar, but I didn't want to do that. And a lot of people are saying, "Well, it's better than nothing." Okay, so be honest with me here, everybody. Let ask yourself this: Do you really want you know two second round picks? In exchange, of course, that would be too low. Do you really want a protected first-round pick? There were reports that Cleveland was willing to give up the eighth overall selection. And if that's true, then okay, I think that's a, a good debate. But also, we got reports that a Marcus Gasol deal was extremely close to getting done until we had Bobby Marks come in and completely throw a missile at Sham Sharania for reporting it, right? Like, it, yeah. we, I mean, we don't know. We are assuming that some of these were out there. And... I just I wouldn't have traded Kimba Walker for less than 50, 40, 30, whatever. Like I, I would rather it be better than that. It doesn't have to be the whole dollar, but it have to be better than that. And so no, I don't necessarily think that every single one of these situations is the same where, okay, losing a free agent is better than not receiving anything. Maybe the experience is okay from what we got last season. The one thing that bugs me the most is that people don't remember the cautionary tale of Gerald Wallace. And the fact that Gerald Wallace was Give again the Bobcats at the time got a haul for Gerald Wallace. They turned some of that into, I believe, Corey Maggette, who tur- who got you another decent pick that I believe ended up turning into Noah Vonley. That's ne- neither here nor there. But the yeah, fact they screwed that it up. But they, they right. screwed it up. But at the same time, you still got an asset <laughs> out of it. The biggest, the bigger thing that I think I have an issue is if you didn't get nearly as much. For Gerald Wallace, for Kemba Walker, as you did Gerald Wallace, why are you getting upset? It's a lot because again, people left in droves over Gerald Wallace. If they, if you sent, if you traded the greatest player in franchise history for twenty-five cents on the dollar, hell, fifteen cents on the dollar, you guys are picketing up and down Spectrum mm-hmm. Center talking about Jordan Sell. 
Like, let, let's be let's be real honest about that. Let's keep it a buck. You guys would have told them to sell. Let's and, keep it a dollar on the buck. Yes. Let's keep it a buck. Yeah. I like that. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network here, trying to talk and make sense of this entire Kimba Walker situation. We'll take, hey. a, quick, <laughs> we'll take a quick break. We'll come back with plenty more. Uh, how real is all of this? How much of this is just negotiating with the agents? Who knows? And can we be surprised that the Hornets don't really want to go over the tax for Kimba Walker? MJ has tried to tell us that, and it does seem like he's following through on some of his comments that he's made in years past, and really what Mitch Kupchak has said in just the last couple of weeks or so. We'll talk about it all next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. You are listening to the Locked on Hornets podcast. <laughs> now, here's the funny part. I was listening to this to prep it for the show, and um, my wife walks in and was like, what are you yeah, listening right to? That's a little scary cool. if, if you don't have the context. If you walk in and you start hearing that. Yeah. That's Darth Vader. I didn't have pants on. That didn't help <laughs> yeah, either. No, that um, it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. In your guys' opinion, how much better of a situation is boston in right now compared to what the charlotte hornets are in right now is this just just as question just as far as a basketball roster you lose kyrie irving you gain kimba walker but you also lose al horford which really makes all of this possible by the way the fact that al horford opts out of his player option you're going to have to lose terry rogier you're not going to re-sign marcus morris and because of all that you're going to have a max slot to offer Kimba Walker, and it certainly looks like they're going to do so. But with a Kimba Walker, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown trio, with Marcus Smart coming off of the bench, Daniel Tice being your starting five, you know, is it not better for a Boston Celtics team to go after Vucevic? And would that be a more attractive roster to you? I just, I'm interested in how good Boston is with Kimba as their point guard because I think it's better than Kyrie, who nuked the chemistry. But I, I do wonder just how much better that they are. Uh, not, not too much better if this holds. Mar- this uh, great headline here from MassLive.com: Marcus Smart after Boston Celtics roster shakeup. Quote: I see my role as bigger than ever. <laughs> yeah yeah not anymore that's a, that's a nightmare <laughs> well how hilarious is it you got marcus smart you got terry rogier who both think that same thing like terry rogier thinks he's going to be he, he thinks this is his team even if he wait, is wait, a restricted wait, wait, free wait, agent. Wait, wait, wait hold on let's be real here there's a whole bunch of guys that think this my team <laughs> well, Jalen and you're jason right. you're right about that and, and kimba's going to if kimba does indeed go to boston to me i mean boston is in a lot of ways opposite to to what he's experienced in Charlotte, which is a locker room that for the most part has has held together. Uh, That that there was a lot of unselfishness in the Charlotte Hornets locker room, maybe too much at times. There wasn't a player that was going to step up and say, okay, I have a problem with this or I have a problem with that, and certainly not publicly. But that has not been the case in Boston. They have had a lot of drama behind the scenes. And it's also a place that generally uh, I think free agents have avoided for various reasons. So this is odd to me that Kimba would choose, like personally, that he would choose Boston to go play in. And it's not a situation that I think would, would result in him winning an NBA championship. So it might truly, if he does, be about top dollar. And Doug hints at it, and I'll say it, literally 
Kemba Walker would be the highest profile black free agent to ever sign for the Boston Celtics. Yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely the city experiencing racial insensitivity. I mean, and you see it now. I did ask Gary Washburn about this, an African-American writer for the Boston yeah. Globe, and he did discuss that that might get overplayed at times. And I kind of thought that was interesting. It is an older guy. And I know this is something that Bob Ryan, he did not. He brushed that off of his shoulder. And you think, OK, old white guy talking about this. Let's maybe not ask him or take his opinion at 100% certainty, even though he's one of the best of all time. And so asking Gary Washburn about the same thing, who is black, but also is older, he also kind of said, you know what, that's a little bit that's a little bit overblown. And I thought that was interesting. Okay, even if it's overblown, let's, let's think about this. Uh, there are a lot of places to play in the NBA where you can either be warm physically – or you can be in an environment where the media is not going to give you that hard of a time. And some places like Charlotte offer you both of those things. Like it's generally pretty warm around here and as compared to Boston and the media is not going to really give you a hard time about anything. But Boston is the exact opposite. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's just bitterly cold there and the media is insufferable. And, and both of those things are something that Kimball Walker has not been exposed to in his NBA career yet. So I'm just interested I'm just interested in so many reasons like why Boston would be the attractive choice other than the obvious one, dollar dollar bills, y'all. The other thing that Doug brings up with the media game is we're seeing currently the Celtics trash Kyrie Irving in every single way. There are even reports where the Celtics are cold calling teams to let them know all the dirt they have on Kyrie. <laughs> why in the world? Would you honestly join that outside of the possibility of wins and a situation that that may or may not have you as a perennial contender? Because if we're honest, how many teams are better than the Celtics with Kemba Walker right now? Hey, yeah, this is Danny. No, no I don't want to talk trades. Uh, I just wanted to tell you that Kyrie likes to warm up fish in the microwave. And, and just wafted around all of the offices. Also, he poops his pants. Yeah, that flat earth thing, too, as well. Just, I, I mean, they're going to, they've been saying he's a head case. The guy might be. As well, like it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> because it everything Doug said is absolutely <laughs> credible. And it's I know, true. that was me. That, that wasn't me. I didn't say that. I was, <laughs> I was playing you a recorded call of Danny Ainge calling the Brooklyn Nets. I'm just asking questions. Here's the biggest question that I'm asking and I'm most interested in with Kimba Walker's possible acquisition to the Boston Celtics. But Monty Jones brought up an interesting point on Highly Questionable yesterday about Kimba Walker being a high-usage guy. And we just talked about all of these players. Oh, this is my team now. Marcus Smart, my role is bigger than ever. Terry Rozier, I had to sacrifice the most when Kyrie Irving came here. Jason Tatum, oh, this is his third year. This is his year to shine. Jalen Brown is somebody that didn't get along with Kyrie for his style of play. It, does Jalen Brown think this is his team? So Kimba being a high usage percentage player, Kimba, if he plays like that, does he play, does he play like that with Boston? And does that frustrate all the other players around him? Now, here's the question that I have against that, right? What, what are we going to get in Boston? Is it going to be that Kimba or is that going to subside? Because Kimba had to be a high usage player here in Charlotte. There was no other choice to win basketball games. If Kimba mm -hmm. was not somebody that had a ridiculous usage percentage, then the Charlotte Hornets were not going to win a lot of basketball games. So is Kimba somebody that would sacrifice giving up that much responsibility of the basketball, which I think the answer is yes to that, by the way. Mm -hmm. 
Does he do that and have the Boston Celtics be a successful basketball team while being able to mesh with all of those guys that think is this is their team now? I actually, I think that's the case. I think Kimba is a good enough dude and has the team interest enough first that Kimba would kind of play to the style that Brad Stevens kind of wants to play at rather than this other theory that Kimba would be a high usage player up there in Boston. But it is an interesting question to ask nonetheless. Quite honestly, I'm one of those that think that it doesn't matter with the play style. You're losing too much from the bigs. The primary distributor was Al Horford on that team. He made everything go. It's a big loss. That's a humongous loss, and that's why I'm not sure all of this matters. You're also talking about you lose one of the best screen setters in Aaron Baines as well for nothing because you tried to clear cap space. There's a lot of this that doesn't seem to work out, and you're also relying on Gordon Hayward coming back to some sort of form that resembled 2016, which we still think may or may not be a fluke. And with Aaron Baines gone, you lose the guy that's the best looking in the shower. (laughs) Shout out to Tommy Hansen. Michael Jordan, it seems like he absolutely wants to avoid the luxury tax at all costs possible. And Mitch Kupchak has been pretty candid about that. (laughs) He's candid, but is is Mitch Kupchak unhappy with his job or is he immensely unhappy with his job? Oh, got the latter. Because, like, I'm just looking at this situation. He's, he's been here for, for a couple of years now, and it's been marked by, as I said in the first segment, it's been marked by inaction, and that's not what he was used to in Los Angeles. He has not been able to move any of these pieces that he's wanted to move. They've been desperate to get rid of them, cannot do it, and have taken two straight safe picks in, in Miles Bridges and... Uh, PJ Washington and you know just watching him in the I was talking about this with uh, David Walker like watching him after in the press conference he just doesn't look like he's he's super thrilled about what's going on right now and and you can't blame him it's tough it's a tough time in Charlotte Hornets basketball history I, I think it's just his resting face though right Could like did, did he ever look like that in Los Angeles resting did he ever Mitch look like face. yeah resting Mitch face did, does he ever <laughs> Has he ever looked like... <laughs> that actually works. No, it's yes, great. It does. No, it absolutely works. That's why I wanted to roll with it. It's fantastic. You look at Mitch Kupchak and his time in Los Angeles when they were winning titles. Did he ever seem like a guy that was genuinely excited about winning titles? Sometimes and, I accidentally say things that are, are brilliant, and then I, that, then I realize them seconds afterwards, mm-hmm. and I get excited. That was one of those Doug, instances. We, we know you're not going to be recording with us like in, in Charlotte anymore. Mm-hmm. You don't have to make this one about you. Why not? So you look, at, <laughs> you look at MJ trying to avoid the tax. You have Kimball Walker off of the books, at least in this scenario. They're still above the cap. So it means that they're going to have to work with the mid-level exception. They'd have, possibly, if they wanted to stretch a Biombo or something like that, they could bring in somebody that would be worth you know, double-digit million annually. I'm just interested in seeing what the Charlotte Hornets are going to do if they do indeed lose Kimball Walker and how that would result in maybe possibly re-signing Jeremy Lamb or if they're just going to go straight up, we're tanking right now. I mean, this is a situation where we're going to go with all of the young guys and Nick Batum and Marvin Williams and all the guys that are making uh, money that is a little bit more than probably what they should be making. You know, I'm interested to see what they'll do, but are you guys mad at MJ wanting to duck the tax like this or do you think it's understandable? I understand. I don't have to like it, though. And as one Doug Branson said on this podcast many years ago, this rebuild does not officially start until Nick Batum's contract is off the books. And until that contract is off the books, 
then you really don't have the flexibility to add more players, add assets, or anything of that sort. But I'd rather see what they have with the young guys right now. As a, as a fan, I understand being upset by your team not wanting to retain the best player in franchise history because of some tax. Like, you're paying for tickets. You don't, you don't care about a tax. And if you're upset and you're angry, then punish the team. Like, don't, don't be like fans in Chicago or fans in New York and, and just continue. Like, no, if you, seriously, if you're upset with the team, then, then show it at the box office. And, and don't, you know, don't, don't just let the franchise do whatever you think is uh, right or wrong, and you just go to the games anyway. I mean, that, that, that's, that's the bottom line for me. Otherwise, if you don't want to do that, then just, you know, shut the hell up about it uh, and, and go to the games and have fun. I, I don't know what to tell you. But uh, as, as a person that lives in reality, I understand why Michael Jordan would not want to go into the tax for that roster. I mean, I just get it. Like, if they were one or two pieces away, this is what Chicago ran into um, a few years, and their fans never punished them for it, that they were a few, a few pieces away, and the team didn't want to go into the tax to try to contend for the championship. That's not what's going on here. They don't want to go into the tax to be, you know, 9-10 seed again. This is a failed experiment, and I think the experiment was keeping Kimba Walker without trading him because they wanted to make a playoff push. And again, we talked about it, but I get it. They wanted to make a playoff push and continue to go with a core that actually got them there in 2016. But we have to also remember, when we're going back that far uh, far back, I mean, how many super teams are we talking about? How many teams are that actually have some stars that are teaming up together you know, all the way back Most then. We're them. talking about Warriors in 2016, but also Miami, I think, at that point. Yes. And I don't know if there was any other teams that were like that at that point. Am I, am I mistaken? Warriors, Be- maybe the Spurs a little bit. You remember, you still had the last vestiges of the Celtics as well. Like, there were different iterations of stronger teams that had been put together, both by free agency and also... But organically, look at Toronto. Toronto. Too- that's uh, that's what I was going to say. The idea that the Hornets were trying, what they were trying to do, is what Toronto did, which is be a sneaky good team and you know win a few playoff series and be attractive enough to then may either acquire a free agent that would have been really tough, or make a trade for a guy like Kawhi Leonard or something, and then and then convince that player to stay. I mean, and- that, that's what they were trying to do. They just. They just failed. And again, we've talked about this before. It was Toronto. And also we've talked about it with Indiana. Indiana has done a very good job at getting free agents that a lot of people, you know, just can't resign because they're a little over. Yeah, they absolutely are. And the thing about that is the way they were able to do that was they did have a star in Paul George that they eventually pulled the trigger on. They did have a star in DeMar DeRozan in Toronto that they eventually pulled the trigger on to trade. Like they had some pieces. You still have to draft well, because remember when we went through the the roster of, of Toronto Raptors, so many of their players have been acquired through trade, um, but they were acquired through trade because they drafted guys like, you know, DeRozan who was able to be a trade piece. Mm -hmm. And then when you look at the rest of the guys that are, you know, making money on those rosters, none of them were making the type of money that these guys are right like with the Hornets so you look at the Toronto Raptors when they were able to get some talent when they were able to get Kawhi you know they were able to keep Danny Green it's just the the salary cap worked in in a better favor for them because the Hornets man they're so screwed after what happened in in, in 2016 signing all these guys that much money I said I said I would cheer for Kimball Walker if he went to another team but if I wasn't thinking about Boston (laughs) If he goes to Boston, I might have a difficult time. I'm going to root for the kid because, again, he grew up here. He's been one of my favorite players to watch. There are always going to be those memories that I'll cherish that everybody else wanted to trade away. 
And, oh, yeah, one last thing. If you want to be a Kemba hipster and say, hey, I saw this coming a year and a half, and a, year and a half ago. Why didn't we trade him then? Yada, yada, yada. Shut up, enjoy the memories, and move on. This please. has been very this has been very cathartic for me, this whole show. And we still got a segment to go. Al Jefferson, baby. Awesome stuff. It's a great interview. We're gonna play it to wrap up this interview or to wrap up uh, this podcast, I should say. Doug, did, are you happy with the way that this podcast went in your last time doing it, at least as a resident here in Charlotte for the time being? It's good, man. I've really enjoyed my time in Charlotte. I you know, I'm gonna be back here and there and love this city, love the Hornets. Go Hornets, go America. It's, That's what <laughs> I did I did I just ruin your sign off, right? That like yes, what, you because did. that was that was your sign off back in the day, right? That's what you would say at the end of every show. Yeah, no, I, I didn't plan on that. I, listen, I'm not a, I'm not in a democratic debate. I'm not, I don't have these plan like lines ready to go. I just, I felt that in my heart. I felt it needed to come out there, and I did it. All right, well, we appreciate it. I'm sorry for ruining your last moment here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. But we do have Al Jefferson coming up on the other side of the break. Stay tuned. He's got some great stuff for us. It's all on the Lockdown Podcast Network. You are listening to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. We're going to talk about Jim or Jay Larenaga. And James Borrego. Should get the first name right. (laughs) Well, maybe that one I should get. Actually, his real name is James, but they call him Jay. We'll call him Jay, too. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Welcome back to the Lockdown Hornets podcast and what's been a Kimba Walker-filled show with the news of Boston coming up as the favorite to win the Kimba sweepstakes. Let's reminisce on the good times instead. A lot of preparing ourselves for the bleak future, at least for the meantime, as the Hornets do look like they are going to go in the direction of rebuilding with Kimba if he does indeed go to the Boston Celtics. Let's reminisce on the good times when Al Jefferson was posting up on the block for the Bobcats and the Hornets. And with that, we do welcome Big Al himself to the podcast. Al, thanks so much for the time, man. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, we appreciate it. And you are here to promote the big three. It's your first year playing in the league. And just real quickly for everybody that might be interested, you do play for the triplets. Tip-off is set for 12 o'clock at the Spectrum Center tomorrow. That's Saturday, the 29th. So make sure you get your tickets at big3.com. And, Al, what made you interested in joining the big three this season? Um, well, Fargo um, brought it to my attention. And um, once I looked into it and I seen it was – you know, a uh, high level of basketball only half court. I said, well, you know, that might not be a bad idea. So, you know, I enjoyed the first game, you know, and uh, I'm very excited about it. Al Jefferson joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. So, Al, I was going to, so you've got, uh, I know you got one game under your belt already. Uh, how much better, real quickly, do you like playing in a half court setting rather than just playing in a full court setting? <laughs> I like it a lot. You know, it's kind of like back to the basics. <laughs> you know, every, I think every basketball player, legend, you know, every NBA player who um, played the game uh, started half court, two on two, three on three. And uh, it's kind of like back to the basics for me. When did you know it was – I know you prolonged your professional career by heading overseas playing in China. When did you know that you were just done playing professionally, whether it was trying to make a comeback to the NBA or playing overseas somewhere? Uh, well, when, when things didn't work out for me in China, um, you know, and I came home, I just felt like, you know, I always knew the time, you know, when the gut, my gut tell me it's time to, you know, to hang it up. And when I came back, you know, it was just, it was just that time for me, you know, and I just, I've been enjoying it ever since. I've watched more basketball, um, 
since I've been back from China that I ever watched in my life, you know. So I'm really just enjoying the game and looking at it from a uh, fan point of view. And Al, of course, we remember your time here in Charlotte, and we remember it fondly. Just overall, what was your favorite thing about playing here in Charlotte? I think it was just the, the fact that, you know, people always looked at us as on the outside looking in. You know, everybody doubted us, and especially that first year when I got there. And um, that young team, you know, the guys, they grown men in the league now, but when I first got there, you know, they were still trying to find their way and, you know, it was just a grind and trying to fight and make the playoffs that year. You know, unfortunately, we ran into LeBron and uh, Miami. And, but, you know, it was just a, a good battle for us to, you know, just to have that experience in our belt. Well, Al, you got hurt that it series. Yeah, I mean, well, we, we you got hurt that series. We remember you trying to battle that foot injury against the Miami Heat, and you did give it a go, but it seemed like, of course, you were limited because of the pain. And, and just overall, if you if you put yourself 100% healthy in that series, how many games are you stealing against the Heat? I feel like we at least could have got two, you know, and who knows after that, you know, because that's one thing about the playoffs, you know, that's why you play, you know, every game because, you know, uh, anything can happen. But, um, you know, I know the first two games we put ourselves in a position to win, and I feel like if I wouldn't have got hurt, we would have had a chance to win that game. And, you know, we still did, you know, because everybody, you know, got a lot of guys on that team was, you know, was playing at a high level. I mean, that was one thing that we was fighting together. We made that big trade right at All-Star break, and them guys came in and fit right in with us to help us make that playoff push. And, you know, it was a fun season that year, man, playing with Josh and Luke. And, you know, and Kimmel was coming to his own. You know, Gerald. It was fun that year. All right, Al. Um, I remember, again, I remember you telling the story about how Kemba recruited you. Uh, when did you first <laughs> realize that uh, Kemba was special? When I realized that Kemba was special? Yeah. Um, I probably have to say in college, you know, I remember watching him winning that national championship game, you know, and I'm not even a guy that watched a lot of college basketball for whatever reason, watching that game. I remember just looking at him in college and then, you know, he signed with my agent. So, you know, I always try to um, support that family too. Um, and so that's how I always um, kept in touch with him and stuff like that. So when I got a chance to see him in New York and he was recruiting me, I, you know, I laughed at him, but you know, <laughs> You know, when I realized that, Wait, why were you laughing at him, Al? Why why were you laughing well, at Kemba trying to recruit you to Charlotte? Well, I mean, I laughed because I really, when he, the way he said it, it came off as a joke. You know, so that's why I thought he was big. When I realized he wasn't laughing with me, it was kind of like, I'm dead serious. So I was like, oh, oh, you for real? So, and then next thing I know, I got a call to come down to Charlotte to, uh, for a meeting. And the rest was history after that. Well, take us through that process again. Like, what other teams were interested in you at the time, and how close were you to signing with another team had it not been Charlotte? Well, I think at that time, everybody was waiting on Dwight Howard to make his decision at that time. So a lot of teams who was, um, you know, uh, I can't remember the top of my head, but a lot of teams that, you know, were trying to make a push for me um, was kind of trying to wait to see what Dwight Howard was going to do. And, um so I was kind of like at a standstill, and, you know, and then when Charlotte bought the opportunity to me and sold me, you know, I'm kind of like, well, they made a move first. So, you know, and I like what they were saying and uh, what I was hearing and all that. So I decided not to wait on any other teams and just went on side with Charlotte. Uh, can you take us in that room, in that meeting, and tell us what the pitch was? Well, it was uh, Patrick Ewing was, you know, I know everybody would ask me about Michael Jordan there, but I was, you know, I was real hyped with Patrick Ewing being there. And uh, Coach Clifford, he was a first-year coach, 
And uh, at that time, you know, I could tell how hungry he was to come and make his mark in this league. And uh, and all they was talking about was just, you know, finding different ways to get me the ball. And that was music to my ears at the time. <laughs> you know, uh, running the offense through me. And, you know, and he was talking about the young talent that I had around me at that time with Kilmer and MKG and a lot of other young guys. And Cody was a rookie at that time. So uh, it just really warmed me over. And uh, I, was, I, was, I was sold when I left that um, – well, Al, I wonder, because it seems like you and Kemba were kind of in a similar situation of waiting on guys that are at least considered better, right? I mean, if you're talking about Dwight Howard, somebody that a lot of people would put in the Hall of Fame, Kemba Walker, you know, we've talked about how a lot of people have Kemba waiting on the dominoes to fall, such as Kawhi Leonard and even Kyrie Irving and maybe D'Angelo Russell because he's younger. Did that piss you guys off? Or did that piss you off at least having to wait for another star to make his decision first? Well, no, not really, because, you know, you realize that um, at a very young age, this is a business, and this is the way the business go. You know, um, some guys just going to have that, going to have more leeway than other guys. That's just how it go. But, you know, I always like just to be the hero in my, on my own story, you know, and not try not to worry about, you know, uh, what's the, what the next guy got going on. That's why Charlotte seemed so, you know, uh, real to me at the time, because, they, you know, they contacted me. They weren't waiting on nobody else, you know, um, to make a decision, they contacted me and realized that I want I want what they need to, uh, for their team, and that what made um, that what won me over. One of the reasons they won me over. So I don't worry about all the other stuff because that's just the way the game is, you know. And how I go. Yeah, Al. Uh, how much do you still think about Game Six in 20, 2015-2016? <laughs> that's so funny. Me and my guy was talking about that earlier today. You know, uh, that Game Six. Was, was the game for us to win. You know, we had it We had it right there on our home court. Um, Courtney Lee hit that big shot in game five. You know, and that was our game to win. And, uh, and we let it slip through our hand. That's why I just feel like if, if we would have just kept that team together, you know, and, and get, with that, and spent that year of experience on our belt, there's it, no telling what we could have did that following year. Yeah, how much do you think it is, Al? I mean, talk to us. How different do you think life is, or at least maybe your Hornets' life is? Would it have extended had you guys won Game Six? I mean, you know, I feel like when you win Game Six, I can't remember who was. I think Toronto um, was who we were going to face in the next. I think you're right. That was another team that we always matched up well against. That's one thing about the playoffs; you just never know. If we would have won Game Six, that would have boosted our confidence up to a whole other level. You know, and, um, and and no telling with the noise we could have made. But, you know, if it was a fifth, we would all be drunk right now. So, <laughs> you know, that's why I try not to like look at stuff like that. But I just, you know, I remember having that extra meeting that last year with Charlotte. And I just like, I just really feel like if we could keep this team together, this score together, we, we would be all right. You know, but, you know, I know sometimes things just don't work out that way. Al, I know you, you're talking about what if, uh, if, 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 if ifs were a fifth and we'd all be drunk. I feel like you drank a lot of Sprite, though. I mean, if I were to set the over and under and Sprite player of the game awards that you won with the Charlotte Bobcats and the Hornets, <laughs> would you go over or under 50 if I said it at that mark? Uh, I'd say over. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like every single time you were going to be the Sprite player of the game. And then Kimba, it seems like you handed that baton off to Kimba. And real quickly, Al, I mean, as he's going through this free agency process, have you talked with Kimba at all and gotten a gauge on where he wants to go? Yeah, um, I, mean, I text him. Um, matter of fact, we just texted him uh, 30 minutes ago. I'm, I'm driving to Charlotte right now. I'm supposed to meet him tonight when I get in town. 
And uh, and I'm just not going. Uh, I'm not the type because I know I've been in that situation before. So I'm I'm really not the type to be trying to sit there and pick his brain, you know, because um, I think that's a time for him and his family to, um, you know, to have for themselves. So you know, and um, but you know, hopefully when I talk to him tonight, I kind of have an idea what he want to do. But whatever decision he makes, it's going it's going to be a good decision. I feel like Kemba have good problems right now. What advice? You know, um, he yeah, got a lot of teams that want him. What advice would you give him, Al? I'd follow his heart, man. Pray about it and follow his heart, you know, um, because he, he at the end of the day, got to want to live with his decision, you know. So um, I just think he has got to do what's best for him. Al Jefferson joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Remember, you can catch him playing with the triplets. It's the big three tournament. It's here in Charlotte. It's here tomorrow. Tip-off is at 12 p.m. at the Spectrum Center. A lot of fun. I got to go my first year. Had a blast looking at some of those guys, watching some of the players that I grew up watching come back into the game. It was really cool stuff. And again, make sure you catch Al Jefferson and the rest of the big three tomorrow, June 29th. Tip-off again at 12 at the Spectrum Center. Al, thanks so much for your time, man. We really do appreciate it. I appreciate you too, man. But you really made me feel old just then when you said, "Man, look, I apologize." You know that made me feel a little old. Man, look, I'm I'm not talking about you. At least you don't have the gray beard like Katino Mobley or people like Mahmoud Abdul Rauf having the gray beard like or gray hair like that. You still look younger than those guys. Is is that at least a compliment? (laughs) All right, man. That's the best I can do for you, Al. I appreciate the time. Thanks a lot. All right, guys. Thank you for having me. Man, what great stuff from Big Al Jefferson there. Uh, two things that stand out uh, to me is the the story of his recruitment to the Charlotte Bobcats at the time. The Bobcats got a big free agent. Be- not, not really because they were a, a crazy attractive destination, but because they weren't waiting on the bigger free agent. And I think it just speaks to what smaller markets have to do, what advantages, what risks they have to take and what advantages they have to seek in order to be a player in the free agency market. Because Kimba recruited him, but he thought it was a joke. (laughs) That was That was the best part. How hilarious was that? Like, you want me to come play for Charlotte? What do they got down there? There's nothing (laughs) going for Charlotte, and it's in Charlotte. You know, like, not that... I don't, just don't think I love Charlotte. I don't know if it's a city that a lot of players are saying, look, man, that's a, one of the best-kept secrets in the entire NBA. And also, it's a team that has been off. Like the Bobcats, they were the laughing stock. I mean, they, they just They were. were. Again, 7-59, and 59, you have that stigma of that, and then two years later, you're making the playoffs. Think about how crazy that was, how, the, how quick they turned that around. But it also, I, I think... You, you look back and he, you know, Kimba, I guess, successfully recruited Big Al Jefferson, but I question Kimba's recruitment ability moving forward. And so would you want to pay a player that sort of even close to the Supermax level if if there's no ability for that player to draw other talent to you? It's not LeBron. Like LeBron is able to draw talent. Kawhi would be able to assemble more players around him. I'm not sure Kimba reaches that level man I that interview is just so awesome like to hear how the the game six in the in the first round of the playoffs when they lost how Al Jefferson was talking about that today I mean that look man that goes to show you how much they care right like how Mm -hmm. how weird is that that Al's talking today about that game in particular that only people here in the city remember but nobody that's not a game that everybody remembers in the national landscape but Al Jefferson man I was just talking about that today about how everything would have changed if we just won 
That's yeah. crazy. And you know what's unfortunate for Charlotte Hornets fans is I did an interview with Muggsy Bogues earlier this week, and I asked him a question that was very similar in how much would things be different if you guys could just get along? And really it means if Larry Johnson and Al Alonzo Mourning could get along. You know, like how could things be different? There are so many things that give you hope, and yet they leave when before it's really able to process into something great. Look no further than the current champions world champions of basketball in toronto look at all the things that had to go right for that team to hoist the trophy i mean that's that's the the dirty little secret of of all of this is that it, it is a lot of luck it's a lot of chaos it's a lot of random events but it's still much more easier to get mad online and and rail against mj and how cool was it, by the way, for him to say that he was talking to Kimba? He said like 30 minutes ago he texted him, and we did that interview at about 1.20. So 1 o'clock on a Friday is when he was texting him. He knows where he's going. Yeah. I think we all kind yeah. of have an idea, but Al Jefferson knows where he's going. He's not going to put his business out there. But just a cool interview with Al Jefferson and a cool last podcast with Doug, at least here in the city of Charlotte. Doug, I'll see you on Zoom on the other side. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Nada, thanks again for joining us for a Fire Friday. And that's our takes on Kimba possibly leaving for the Boston Celtics. It's a Locked On Hornets podcast. You can find us on Google, Spotify, anywhere where you get your podcast. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. We'll be back with you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.